amazed how many owners, dealer principals, and general managers communicate to me via Instagram, DM, Facebook, Messenger, and LinkedIn DM. Like yeah. that is because they know that's the totem pole of my communication efforts that if they want to get a hold of me, they want to get a hold of me quick. Don't call me. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. All right. Yeah. Don't send me an email because I triage the shit out of my emails. I mean, I get you know, roughly right around 200 emails a day. I got to be very careful about what ones I'm actually taking the time to respond to. But if yeah. you need a, if you need a quick immediate response, you need my help, my attention, you LinkedIn, you LinkedIn message me because yeah. I will literally no, respond a, to it within minutes. You no, know? That's a really good point. And you know, peeking behind the curtain. Good. Good morning and welcome to Coffee with Jason. Today, Jason is talking shop with Ryan Hartigan. They'll be discussing the tips and tricks they use in their marketing campaigns and where they found success and learning opportunities in the past. Tune in to hear all about it. But first, a word from our sponsor. For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closers Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closers Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for taking your time and uh, jamming with me tonight. Uh, I really appreciate it. For everyone out there that don't know who you are and kind of what you're up to, can you kind of give us that two-minute origin story that is Ryan? (laughs) So my name is Ryan Hartigan. I manage the Automotive Agency. Um, I started in the industry. My whole family's been in the industry for like 30 years. My dad owned a rental car company, uh, or my grandfather, and then my dad's uh, been in leasing for a long time. But I've been all around it. I actually went to, into academia, got a neuroscience degree, was really interested in like <laughs> psychology. And, and then eventually I came back into sales and started in the automotive industry and eventually started building this agency. So what we do is we basically help dealers to sell more vehicles. And by doing, we actually charge the dealer per lead, but they pay ad management fees. So we have a really unique kind of pricing model in the space. It allows us to get the lowest cost leads for our dealer partners. And mm-hmm. we're getting really good results right now. I'm ready to start scaling the thing. So I'm excited about that. That's cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, and I, I know when we're making this content, um, I'm always trying to think about the audience that's going to listen to it, right? Yeah. I mean, we have people that are listening that are at the owner level. We have people that are management level salespeople. And then we have a lot of vendors that actually listen to this as yeah. well. You know, so I think it's cool. You know, I have an agency, you have an agency. We get to kind of at this with this particular episode is kind of just pull back the curtain a little bit and on just talk, yeah, yeah, just talk shop, you know, you know, yeah. so what you guys are working on, you know, and what I'm kind of seeing out there. And it's just, it's, it's fun to, you know, I don't think there's a lot of us in this space that have the dealer background and experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, being able to really kind of be a practitioner where, where you are. And you said your family has been in the industry for how many years, 30 years? Uh, well, my dad's been in for 30 years, my great grandfather for another 30 years, all my aunts <laughs> and uncles, okay. so my friends, my, my best friends, like top salesperson, finance manager on like the East coast. Like I've, but I, I, I wasn't, I went right into marketing actually when I started, like I yeah. took a job in house marketing, but I realized that I needed to know the sales process and I needed to know the finance process. So there's been a couple of times where I actually stopped 
Um, and it hurt my wallet, but it, it helped me learn. I think it's going to, it's like slow down to speed up. Sure. And I stopped and did my own sales and I did the finance process for a long time. I was trying to get a dealer that allowed me to do front to back. And I actually had the opportunity to do front to back for a long time to take, you know, my leads and, and work them front to back. And that has helped me really understand you know, what's going internally at the dealership. I've seen a lot of issues with different dealerships around the leads yep. thinking that, you know, a lot of dealers, I think they think that they have a, they think they have a marketing problem or they think they have a sales problem. And from seeing it, you know, they're both the same thing and you just have a problem and you have yep. to, you know, have to think about the marketing and sales together. Um, if your if your leads aren't converting, it's not based on your sales process. It might be that your marketing's not getting the quality leads, right? Well, and, and you're 100% right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I walk into a dealership and, you know, we, we like to use this word in the industry, um, silos. And I, I hate that. Yeah. I really hate the concept of a silo. But unfortunately, that's what happens in a lot of cases, right? Is that you got yeah. the sales department on one side, you got the new, new car department, the used car department, the parts and service department. They're all kind of these individual silos. And marketing is another department. They're all these individual silos. And their ability to actually work with each other is, is very limited, you know? And, um, you know, I, I found, I hate the word agency. Like, I really do. You know, I'm just not yeah. a fan of it because my experience with agencies is that there's a lot more it's talk. Negative. Yeah, it's just, well, it's just, it's, yeah. it's just a lot more talk and then not a lot of action, right? It's like, yeah. let's have a meeting about the meeting that we're going to have a meeting about. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, yeah. it, it gets, it gets a little too. ridiculous, right? So, you know, I, I kind of yeah. find it that for us, we, we, we'd like to kind of coin the phrase of more of like an execution team. It's, yeah. like, it's like, if you can think of it, we're just going to get the shit done at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't like, you know, I don't like waiting around. I know I can get results fast. And um, as far as I'm concerned, like you can meet up and chat as much as you want. The mm -hmm. data, the market determines what works and what doesn't work. If you don't have something in the market, testing, optimizing it, you'll never know. You can, you're never going to be perfect at the beginning because you never know what perfection is until you put that brand message out until you start testing the ad campaigns right for sure for sure now a little earlier we were talking about video and i think video for me for 2019 is just it's the hottest subject out there right yeah and and really for what it is is here's how here's how video became a big deal for me and my and my team was in 2018 i took a a good chunk of our dealerships and I stuck them all in a room for kind of our annual state of the union. Right. And I just all asked them, like, here was the results. We went deep dive into everything we did for the year for them. Right. And we asked them, you know, like, what do you guys want in 2019? What is your expectations of us in 2019? And boy, I can't, I just, I can never forget what their answer was is that, well, we just want more performance, but we're not going to spend any more money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So I'm like, all right, all right. You know, I'm fair enough. Fair enough. That's what you want. That's fine. That's I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. So we had a deep dive. We had a deep dive into what was bringing us the, most amount of engagement at the lowest cost that was leading us with the best results. Yeah. And it was like almost unanimous across the board at every single account that we worked in. And it was in video. Video yeah. was just the lowest cost of engagement. Uh, our remarketing efforts based off of what the videos we watched, creating kind of a storyline of different videos that the customer gets to watch, you know, before we, at, before we do the ask, you know, so it's like right now, I think, a lot of agencies out there, they'll put an ad out there. And the first ad they put out there is just simply going for the ask. Call me. Yeah. Visit the website. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 
So you guys are probably running, you know, broad campaigns, broad audience, retargeting them to the next video in the series sort of thing. Yeah, we kind of, yeah, that's right. We try to filter it down, right? And instead of, you know, we were talking about carousel ads, you know, earlier, you know, like our average cost yeah. on a carousel ads, right around a buck, dollar twenty per click, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's the quality of engagement's high, but the cost of engagement's also high, right? So, yeah. you know, if I don't have no beef with carousels. In fact, we use them on a pretty regular basis. But if I can bring higher quality traffic to the carousel beforehand, so we use videos, we may use three or four videos as a filtration process, you know, at three to five cents a view. That's what our cost per view is here in Ontario. I don't know where, what it is, where you are, but that's what it's stupid. In fact, actually I have some dealerships that are so far up North. Nobody does video. I'm actually at half a penny per video view. I didn't even oh, know that was a oh, really? thing. I didn't even wow. know it was possible. Wow. I actually logged into the account. I thought someone was wrong. I kept hitting the refresh button. I was like, wait a second, that ain't right. But then I, I, and for sure enough, <laughs> it amazing. is. Yeah, yeah. Facebook will actually, yeah. or Instagram will actually charge you half a, half yeah. a penny for a view. Yeah. And if you run a, if you run a brand campaign, it's just going to like, cause every, every conversion objective you choose on Facebook is going to go after to the specific audience on Facebook that would most, uh, go through that method. Like if I'm running lead ads, I'm not going to get the audience that's link click audience. Right. So, but the, the cool thing about running, you know, what you're doing, if you're running a brand campaigns is that you actually Facebook's tool with brand is like show it to everybody sort of thing. Like show it brand awareness is show it to as many people as as we can. So that's going to get those first views and then you can segment, you know, who views after a certain amount of time to, to retarget them. Yeah. So when we do a brand, so we call it the awareness level, right? So when we yeah. do a brand, we'll actually run multiple pieces. So we do, we do, we don't uh, put a lot of targeting parameters around the first one. So like, let's say we're doing, I don't know, a Toyota RAV4. Right. Yeah. So the Toyota RAV4 has got three very distinctive audiences, right? We got a retiree audience. We got a smaller family audience. And then we have younger singles with active lifestyles, right? Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll create three different videos, all targeted toward that audience. And that's the piece that we'll use to try to bring them into our next series. Yeah. So we, we do give a little bit of targeting parameters around it, but not a lot. It's just, yeah. you know, let, let me talk, target every single single, you know, person between yeah. the ages of 22 and 28, you know, that are, you know, that have hobbies of hiking, biking, you know, skiing, snowboarding, camping, fishing, whatever it is, right? Active lifestyle yeah. stuff. Yeah. And the power I think comes down to, you know, the retargeting, the, the, the secondary message, especially yes. when you consider that, uh, the AI in Facebook is so powerful now. Mm-hmm. Anytime you put, anytime you put an image up, you know they're analyzing. You can right-click an image and see what the uh, AI has has found out to be associated with this image. It'd be like, you know, female, blonde hair, wearing a dress. So the AI knows all that stuff. It's reading your copy. It knows everything about your ad already. Uh, and so oftentimes we see a lot of better results with, you know, when it's the beginning ad to do less targeting and allow Facebook to do it for us. As long as we know that the market message we're running with really resonates with the specific client we're going after. Yeah. So that's what we call audience specific creative, right? So that's, that's where we like to start, you know, and then we'll spend the 10, 15, 25 cents to figure out if they actually give a shit at all about what we're trying to put out there. Then we kind of take them down to that next level. So now I find that we'll move them into other formats like slideshows and carousels and lead ads actually we've actually probably abandoned most lead ads we're a oh, lot really? on messenger and the yeah. actual straight call function 
like just yeah. the call now but the call now option yeah um those are the ones like we still have some dealerships on lead ads we were just finding that the the quality of lead ads just weren't great like the individuals yeah. like we got so many people back going well i never did that or or i'm not sure why i did that or it's like it's like seriously you literally had to push like three different buttons. <laughs> like yeah. it, it, i mean look, the text said right there that someone's going to call you if you hit this button it's yeah. Anyways, but um, but I think that also depends on your demographic because we do have, still have some dealerships that are heavy in lead ads and crushing it. So I think it just depends on. The yeah. Well, if I run lead ads, I try to get them engaged in a messenger conversation immediately because the mm -hmm. reason that clients do that is because they get uh, what's the word for it? you know cold feet sort of thing, right? So mm -hmm. they they wanted to talk to a dealership yesterday. Today they don't want to talk to you, um, and that's why you know you follow up with a cold lead. Uh, you know, next week you get a hold of them. That's why they tell you to keep following up with the leads because you never know when you're going to get a hold of someone who last week didn't want to talk to you. Uh, and mm -hmm. so oftentimes, you know, when we generate the lead and there's a waiting period, then there is that uh, the ability for them to get cold feet when you start reaching out to them. Also, th with the lead ads, their level of engagement, their level of how much they've communicated with your brand allows them to opt out easier. Oftentimes they can more easily say, you know, I didn't fill out that form. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's a lot different on Messenger when you literally yeah. just plop it right in and you're in it. Um, yeah, the format that we've actually found. So we've actually started to replace replace lead ads with a Facebook instant experience. I don't know if you yeah. mess around with the instant experience, yeah. but you know, it's, it's not the typical uh, ad format where it's like, you know, here's the ad and you got a call to action. And then it's like, add to landing page, add to, add to lead, add to, you know, it's just, yeah. it's one, two, the instant experience gives you the one, two, three. Yeah. Right. So you, you click on it. It opens up a little micro page just within the Facebook allows you kind of consume of what the next level is. I call it front loading. We're front loading the client, telling them what's going to happen when they click over to the full size landing page. We found those results to be results to be quite yeah. good. So we've been playing gotcha. around a lot with that. Um, I'm trying to think what else we've been playing around a lot with. Well, you want placement. We've been playing, we're playing a lot right now on placement. It's just because what I think about is that, that awareness level, since we're using video to try to filter people down and yeah. figure out who actually gives a crap, is that now at the, what we call the interest level is where we're running our carousel ads, and our lead ads, and our messenger ads, or our call to action ads. Um, there, we're now optimizing more for placements because 11 different options. I don't think a lot of people realize that there's 11 different options when it comes to placement, almost 20 yeah. some odd different ad formats that you can run. Um, yeah. oh, in Instagram ad stories. We've been crushing on Instagram ad stories lately. It was yeah. And the, uh, and the other thing to consider is that, I mean, that's why it's good for you guys to cut up, to cut up the, the videos and stuff, right? Because with the Instagram ad stories, you need to a specific length and to run on Instagram, you need a specific length. Once you go over a minute, you can't run mm -hmm. on certain placements. So that's something to keep in mind. And I've been, you know, sometimes you get a, a client video that's really strong, but it's three minutes long. So you have to go in there and edit it down to a minute to actually run it. Actually, you don't have to anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, you can go through IGTV. All right. Uh, so if you set up your Instagram TV, you can upload it to Instagram TV. Now, when you upload to Instagram TV, there's actually an option to actually add it into your newsfeed. And yeah. it will actually automatically cut a one minute piece out of your longer uh, video format. And then what it'll do is it'll play the one minute piece in your feed, but then you can click on it with the option to go watch the rest gotcha. of it on Instagram TV. 
And you like can run that as an ad now, eh? Yeah. Yes, you can now run that yeah. as an ad now too. I see that Gary Vee's always running those ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was a little lucky to do that because originally when the ad format first came out, you had had ten thousand followers to be able to do that because he does it organically. Now yeah. he's doing it. Now he's doing. He does both organically. No, he still does it organically. I think on Instagram, but he is doing it. No, he is doing paid stuff too. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. He is. Yeah. I, I like Gary. A lot, yeah. you know, um, and I don't follow him necessarily for his content because I don't think we see eye to eye on a lot of things. No, me neither. You know? I mean, I think he doesn't, not, I, I, th- I mean, he's a sales guy first, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I got mad respect. I got ma- oh, I got mad respect for him, right? Yeah. Um, but I do appreciate his strategy and I appreciate oh, his hustle yeah. and his grind and his just dirty commitment to just getting the job done. Like, and know. he cares about getting results for his clients. I mean, he cares mm-hmm. about people, right? Like, uh, you know, the whole thank you economy thing is, is beautiful that it's like, how come no one's really said that before? Mm-hmm. And he talks about, you know, when you get a sale, you know, giving them even more sort of thing. But I mean, so I, I love Gary. The one thing, one problem I have with Gary, not necessarily a problem, but uh, it, it doesn't, he doesn't, I haven't heard him talk about the actual funnel, the actual, you know, he seems to never want to bring people down a funnel. It seems to always be about brand, but as you and I both yeah, know, you every, know, the brand every once in a while, yeah, every once in a while it comes out, but you're right. He doesn't get, yeah. he, he gets into uh, creative strategies, execution strategies. It seems like he kind of keeps close to the chest. Yeah. It's yeah. not like what we're talking about here. Like right now we're literally giving away the farm. Yeah, (laughs) but honestly, I'm a firm believer in that really at the end of the day. No, I am too. And sometimes you've got to keep checking with yourself, I feel like, because it's scary to do that. But I I do believe in that too. Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it all comes down. Like, these are our strategies. Here's how we do it. You know, it all comes down to how good you can execute it. An idea is only as good as how well we can execute it, right? Yeah. So it's like, here, here it all is. Just give it all away. You know, hey, if you can't execute it give me a call. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, and I mean, I have biweekly, <laughs> I have biweekly calls with all my clients and I share exact strategy of what's going on, how the campaigns are, any question they ask, I'm not going to hide anything from them. And it's unfortunate when you see agencies that don't share everything that, mm-hmm. you know, make up uh, metrics to show that certain results are happening. I, I've seen a lot of, I've seen uh, a lot of, you mean yeah. some fake shit I see out there? A bunch of stuff. And a lot of agencies will will manage the metrics so that it shows certain things. So for instance, they'll run a campaign for the specific dealer name to show you that you know their click-through rate's really high. Oh, and, dude. I had, oh yeah. Like I had a real dirty yeah. one that was like that. I had um, you know what they were doing is they were running that acquiring an audience and then in a new car acquisition campaign in the back, they were adding in as a remarketing audience to search to as search a remarketing search campaign, but running keywords for the vehicle specific. So the CTR rate was just whoop. And it was yeah. just like, I'm like, that's dirty. Yeah. Like that's just, that's just dirty. But, but you know, you're right though. But also look, I do give the dealerships a little bit of a hard time here too, right? Yeah. It's just like, cause we have to talk about, so that's actually a good, let's talk about that. That's a great place for us to go. Right. You know, um, for all of the uh, managers or owners out there that are in charge of their marketing, you know, what should they be looking at to ensure? So I literally just had the conversation the other day, actually with the client, actually the funny thing is the client reached out to me and goes, I have a dealer friend out in Vancouver that's having this problem. Can you yeah. look at his analytics and help me figure out if they're screwing them over? I'm like, yeah, uh, sure. Um, but but what, what, what do you think it what should it, what advice can we give to a dealer? What should they be looking at um, well, to ensure their agency is actually on the up and up? 
Well, I mean, the first thing I said here was that I'm big on personal development. I think one of the main things that stop a dealer from being able to figure it out is the belief that they can't. Um, and so a lot of general managers are like, I'm beyond the time of the, you know, I don't know the digital stuff. I don't have Facebook. I don't get it. And that belief that they can't understand it limits them from ever actually understanding it. Um, and so I think the first key for a dealer is to let go of that belief, at least look at it a little differently. Why do I believe that I can't understand digital? And mm -hmm. is there a way for me to let go of that belief? Is there a way for me to challenge this belief? Because that belief's not based in reality. They can understand digital. And so that belief needs to be let go of first before anything else can happen. Uh, once they let go of the belief, they just need to find someone that can actually show them and is willing, like me and you, we're transparent with the dealers. They need to find someone who's going to actually be transparent with them to share with them how how it works and i've done consulting sessions with dealers that have been like listen i want to you know i need to learn this i've had a dealer in ontario fly out for two days and and i showed everything to her and afterwards mm -hmm. i you know afterwards she still wanted me to manage it because maybe it was too much but now we can have a conversation that we, we can keep optimizing results now because she spent the time to look in it to to accept that it is something she could understand sure and that opening up that potential changes everything right it does it does and, and I, I think it's like what do you got to look for right out of the gate and i think there's a few things that we should actually take a look for um if if your agency is asked there's this one question and i hated this question by the way and when i had my dealership i got it consistently asked this question from my agency um because I, I got so busy owning the dealership, running the dealership that I didn't have time to actually do my own marketing. I actually had to have hire some people to do it, which was very difficult for me to do. Yeah. Um, but um, they asked me this really, really stupid question. And I think if you ever hear this question asked from your, from your vendor, your agency, you need to run for the Hills right away. And, and that is, what do you want to advertise this month? <laughs> they would ask me, what oh, do yeah, I yeah, want yeah, to advertise yeah. this month? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've I'm seen like, that. I'm like, that's the dumbest question in the world. What do you mean? Like, you're the fucking expert. What are you yeah, asking? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like, I, I think what it is. I think the appropriate question, and this is how you know you've got the right person working with you, is they don't ask that. What they ask, they ask is, what is your goal and objective this month? What's your goal and objective this quarter? All right. Let me really truly yeah. understand where you're trying to move the needle, and then let me start developing out strategies that's going to help you move that needle in those spaces. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen ads running for cars that the dealership doesn't have freaking inventory of. Yeah. <laughs> Send them to a ghost page. I've yeah. seen that work, actually. I've like, seen dealerships scale with the ghost inventory. But <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, you don't even have this yeah. vehicle. What is it? But it's because their agency is like on autopilot or something like that. And it's like- yeah. I've seen, uh, I mean, I chatted with a client, a potential client last week. Um, I actually chatted with the marketer at this dealership. Uh, but the, but so this is what's interesting because this is a marketer who seems to really know his stuff, but now they're, they're still working with a dealer, with an agency and they manufacture relationship with the agency. They have to keep them on. But the mm -hmm. agency, I was like, we were looking at the agency campaign and I was like, you know, how much of this did you do? And it was like, no, the agency like got us to do everything. And then they just ran it. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like they wrote the copy. Yeah. They're running like two or three ads that the marketer wrote. 
And it's like, when does co-op dollars become a bad thing, right? Like, oh, we've got, oh I think gosh. the manufacturers don't, don't, don't have don't a really, Don't get me started on co-op. Yeah. I could do, do a whole episode on well, the, the manufacturers have a big the, issue on the their hands, handcuffs, right? The handcuffs of dealerships. That's what I call co-op. Yeah. I just, I just kind of replace the O's and just put a little line across it and then like stick your hands in there. That's co-op. <laughs> right? You're yeah. stuck. Um, Freaking co-op. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, look, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help any owners out there try to identify, you know, who you should ultimately hire, who you should work with. I think someone that actually gives a crap about your goals and objectives and truly understands them is important. And you know, that, that company doesn't even have some operational understanding of who you are as a business. I mean, that's, I have no problem admitting that it has been pretty much our fundamental or one of our fundamental keys to our success is, is that I had this operational understanding of everything that goes on at the dealership. So, you know, it's like, I can go in and for me, I'm a little weird. I can really look into a pro- I can literally stare at a profit and loss statement and say, here are the three or four places we need to go work on right now. And yeah. you know, it's like, um, but it's, but for me, I also think that if your partner, cause it's, I think partners, the right work, right. I think yeah. that's what, that, that's yeah. what dealerships should be looking for. The partner, tried right? to, yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've done everything I can to decrease chances of incentives not being aligned. Mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the most important things is aligning incentives. And so that's why I priced my business model differently because I have a little bit of an issue with the management fee because I feel like incentives aren't aligned with growth. So if I have a management fee monthly, my fee changes based on growth, right? So if I have a monthly management fee with a dealer, what's the incentive for me to keep growing that dealer's results month upon month if I've got all these other clients? And what's the incentive for me to not sign on every other dealer in their region? So well, that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's funny because we actually, we're the opposite. Um, uh, we're, we're a complete flat fee. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the reason I went that direction was if you spend $500 on a campaign, or you spend $5,000 on a campaign, my workload doesn't change at all. Like it doesn't change. Just straight up yeah. doesn't change. I still have to do the same amount of work no matter what, right? Yeah. So we kind of went to a flat a flat fee model. Now, the on the other side, what you're talking about, and I like, I like what you're saying because it's, it's based on growth. See, I tell all of my dealerships, I got no contracts, no commitments. Um, yeah. I have a reputation. And I'll tell you right now, it's a dirty reputation. It's a complete lie, but I have a dirty <laughs> reputation of firing clients and um, I don't fire clients. I'll just tell you that right now, but I do break up with them and I have the tendency yeah. of breaking up with them pretty quick. And, and, and the reason for that is because when we put these strategies together, it's like the dealership's got their responsibility, their part of the strategy that they need to execute on. And then my team and I, we have our part of the strategy, but if they don't do their part, I'm pretty damn fast about just walking away. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I don't think, I mean, because it's more of a headache and uh, especially with, with my model, but, and just in general, I think any business shouldn't work with clients that are not good, but with my model, you know, I don't need to sign on every dealer. I need to work with dealers that I like. And I've had issues in the past with, so, I mean, you mentioned earlier about the agencies that go to the dealer and say, what do you want to run this month? And that goes, that goes to a, a, a place where, I've had issues in the past where dealers have told me this is what they want to do before. I don't ask them. They say, okay, we have, we want to do it this way. And I've had to come back and explain why this is just not going to work. And when I first started, I wasn't good at that. Like I would be like, Oh, I can't, you know, can't explain to them why this is stupid. And I run it anyway. And lo and behold, you know, it doesn't work. Like I remember uh, there was a client in my first year and um, 
I had the campaign set up. It was for a candidate day sale or something. And they wanted to run it to a specific landing page that they had on their website. Mm-hmm. And I was like, listen, that landing page won't work. Like we're not going to be able to convert anything. Th- this dealer was a smaller dealer. They didn't want to give me access to the website to make any changes to the website. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't optimize uh, where traffic was going. And so we ran it anyway. And click fee rate was great. We've got like 500 clicks. Uh, and then no leads because the because the website didn't convert. No one wanted to fill out a form. They were trying to get full credit apps and in a poor way. And so, you know, it, it didn't work. And so I, I, I've made mistakes in the past to get to a point where now if a client ever wants to do something, even something small, and I just know it's not going to it's not going to work or it's going to harm results. I won't do it. I'll let them know, you know, that's not going to work. And I don't run campaigns that aren't going to work because it doesn't make sense. I've, I've set up a process in place whereby I only get, I get paid more if, if results improve. So, well, and, I, and I think that's key. I think whoever, whatever vendor, whatever agency, you, you know, you guys out there decide to choose to work with is that um, they're, their pay structure needs to be in line with your guys's goals and objectives, right? You know, um, so it's the way that you have your structured, you know, it's, it's the way that we structure ours. It's, it's, it's in the benefit of the dealership, not directly in the benefit of ourselves. Right. Yeah. I like, I like the monthly management fee and there's been thoughts in my mind, like maybe it's the way to go, but I think, Mm -hmm. I think I'm on a good step now, but uh, what I don't like, Oh, sorry. What were you no, going to no, say? No, no, no. I was going to say the reason that we did that is because leads are changing. You know, yeah. I, I, I implore anybody out there that's in the lead industry to start looking for new jobs. Yeah. Um, because like, there's just not enough value anymore. You got to understand at one point in time, people were filling out inquiries because there wasn't enough information online, yeah. right? There's not enough value for people to fill out these inquiries anymore, right? These form yeah. fills, you know, these quote unquote yeah. leads and you know how I feel about the word lead, but um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, so, I mean, I've worked with some really big dealer groups and we're just watching the count of leads go down and down and down, but their sales are still going up and up and up yeah. or at least staying flat. So there's not necessarily a correlation anymore with, with yeah. the amount of leads in the units that you sell. Yeah. And that's the big in- issue in the industry, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone's so focused on leads. Nobody wants to fill out their information anymore because anyone who has knows what it's like to have, you know, capital one, try to sell you a credit card a year after you fill out a form exactly, you know? and then, and then have the lead generator. Exactly. I won't mention them call you again three months later and five months later. When I started, I went through lead forms of the lead generators, right? Yeah. And there's a bunch of issues, you know, they, they, they assume you make a minimum pay. So they fill it, you fill out the form. You can only put $1,800 a month. Yeah. You know, so there's all that stuff. But then the other issue is that they're actually reselling leads to multiple dealerships. Mm-hmm. We put in that, you know, me and my friend, this salesperson I mentioned earlier, we put in information. It's three years now. He still has dealerships calling that number that he put in there. No, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. How many times are they going to sell the same client information? And so now people know not they don't want to fill out those forms, right? So it makes it even more difficult to do the lead thing. So I I do know what what you mean. And uh, I think it's a it's a it's a big issue in the industry right now, and it's gonna it's gonna stifle. Oh, it, it's and it's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. Yeah. So we 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 we've started something new and I know that we're not just going to be the only agency out there doing it. And I'm assuming everyone's eventually going to get on board is that we've now taken a very vested interest into the people that walk through the door. In fact, I've actually come out so much as far to say is I will take responsibility 
for everybody that walks through the door. But once they're in the door, it's your responsibility. Unless you want to hire me to come sell the car, because I probably will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> but but it's true though, right? And yeah. the cool thing is by taking those, but by taking that responsibility on, a it holds the dealership accountable that they actually have to provide me those reports in the first place. But I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've ran a campaign, and for all intents and purposes, the campaign was a great success. Like we look at every single KPI, clicks and click-throughs, impressions and engagement and watch times and interactions and lead forms and everything looks fucking beautiful on this thing. <laughs> no one comes into the dealership, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we're looking for that long tail strategy that's going to nourish and bring the person through the door. So if they're spending yeah. two, $3,000 on a campaign and within the first couple months, if I can't start moving the needle, then something's wrong. You know, if yeah. I can't, if I can't move the needle, if people are walking to the door and inquiring about that specific product or that specific model, you know, like something's not adding up either my, either my message is incorrect or who I'm targeting with the message is incorrect. Yeah. And that's why I agree with you. Agencies need to focus more on, on, on getting that conversation started because just mm. the lead doesn't, doesn't do it. The lead doesn't pick up. Right. So it's always important to keep focusing, keep iterating. And if, you know, agencies like us are at that next step and other agencies aren't, it puts us a, a foot ahead to make sure we're actually focused on trying to get closer and closer to the sale, trying to get closer and closer to ensuring actual results for our dealer partners and not just ensuring that, you know, we've got these cheap leads. These cheap leads aren't the best quality leads either. That's another thing in the industry is like, how, how low can you get my lead cost? Well, if I got you $10 leads, maybe like there's a 1% close rate. What if I oh, got you $100 leads and there's a 50% close rate, right? Everyone wants cheap leads, cheap leads, but you know, you've got cheap leads. You've got your desk of, you know, cold leads. You don't want those ones. You want actual return on investment, right? Well, and it's it's kind of like, you know, I, I had a dealership earlier this year. And they just came to me. And they're like, oh, Jason, you know what? We just need more leads. If we just had more leads, we'd sell more cars. And I just, I couldn't hold back. I'm just like, that is so far from the truth. It's absolutely ridiculous. You can't handle the fucking leads that are coming through the door right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I, I think of it like from, and I know, I know, I have a tendency to bash on dealerships, and it, it, it's, look, guys, I'm not bash on you. I just have high expectations, right? And it's all within, it's all within good faith for you guys to continue to grow as a business. Um, but the bottom line is that when we come out there and say that we closed at thirty percent or thirty-five percent, and we're proud of that, I don't get that. I just, there's, there is not a, if you were a professional athlete and you only were able to perform 25% or 30% of the time, you wouldn't be fucking employed by that professional sports team. But for some reason, we think that's completely acceptable in this industry. Well, I mean, the the issue is that uh, the, I think the issue is that um, most dealers believe that because someone expressed interest, they need to buy now. Yes. And so they, they ruin the potential sales that are going to happen at the end of the month, next month. Anyone who fills out a form or even expresses interest in a dealership is looking to buy a vehicle. You can sell them a vehicle. And so there's no reason why that's a lost lead because on the first conversation, they weren't looking to buy now. And, and so I think that one of the issues is that there's not proper play, uh, pro- practices in place for the CRM follow-up. The problem also is the turnover rate in the industry. So why would a salesperson mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. consider long-term value for the, for the sales when they're not going to be at that dealership next year? And so all of these clients, the dealership is, is generating uh, leads that the dealership's generating that could become long-term customers don't become long-term customers because of that 
internal sales process that's inefficient. No one's looking to top no. follow up with their leads, right? And most people, no. some, some people are using like their Google Sheets where there's not even a notification. <laughs> some of my, right? I've got, I work with a lot of like, I work with a lot of used car dealerships. I like, I like, I like when there's a focus on use for my, for what I do, because mm -hmm. with new, usually I find with new, what makes most sense for the dealers is, is Google AdWords and stuff. And uh, usually with the Google AdWords, there's really only like one winner. I find, you know, like you, you get at the top and you're, and you're going to win this space sort of thing. I like, I like my used car stuff. I like my Facebook stuff. That's my bread and butter. Um, but yeah, I find that a lot of times there's not the proper CRMs in place for them to be tracking what's going on with those leads. Well, a lot of times they're using it. They don't even know what the hell a CRM is in the first place. And I still think there's a lot of confusion on what the hell a CRM is. Yeah. Um, oh, really? You know, oh God. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. the fun thing is it's actually in the name. All right. Yeah. It's customer relationship management tool, right? CRM. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. if they're a lead or an inquiry, all right, they're not a customer yet. Yeah. So don't try to use a CRM. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, I, I, I was like, I was talking, I was at an expo and I was talking to a dealer. He's like, yeah, man, I'm going to get a new CRM. I'm like, why do you need a new CRM? Oh, because I need to close more of my leads. I'm like, well, that's not a CRM because it's an yeah. entirely different effort, right? What you need is yeah. lead management. Lead yeah. management's an entire different philosophy when it comes than, than CRMs are, right? Lead management's all about nourishing the lead through the communication, right? And getting them to yeah. the appointment, right? There's four steps that we got to do. It's like lead to communication, communication to, um, sorry, we want to take leads to communication. We got to get communication to appointment, appointment to show, right? And then show to sold, four different levels, yeah. right? And that's yeah. what a proper lead management will do. Now, once they become a customer and they've signed on the dotted line, then that's the question of how we're going to nourish that relationship over the next five to seven years. That's where a CRM system will start to kick in, right? Yeah. But it, yeah. it's like we're using... It's like the other day I, I came into, I came into the office and one of my guys were fixing, we're, we're fixing a chair. One of the chairs, a little thing was loose. Right. And he's sitting there doing it with a pocket knife, like the actual yeah. knife portion of it. Like, and I'm just like, and I look over to the other side of the office. And I'm like, there's a screwdriver. And I went and grabbed the screwdriver yeah. and I gave him the screwdriver. I'm like, give me the knife before you cut your finger off. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's the right tool for the right job, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's like we actually have to utilize these tools for what they're designed for in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, another issue is that, and it's the same thing with the website, actually. The providers in the space, CRM providers and website providers, uh, and it's also because the dealerships have this kind of golden what's what's the what's the phrase they're looking for the golden nugget like the the shiny objects in oh term, right? i i call them uh diet pills yeah they're looking they, they, for they something want, that, they want the magic fix it's yeah. like it's like you take this pill and you're gonna lose 20 pounds i'm like oh, yeah. Yeah, i want that <laughs> and one way to one way to express the, ma the the magic fix is like this thing does everything like look at how robust this platform yeah. is so then you know the the uh, web providers come in with a very robust website with like a million a million tags with like, here's your mobile app for your dealership. It's like, nobody wants that. No one's going to download your, your dealer mobile app. Cause there's no value. And no there's one's no going to go to the through customer. your website. <laughs> there's no value. And when they go on a website with a million different things, they're not going to like, it's just because the, I, and it comes down to that belief that dealers have that they don't understand. But if they just remove that belief, they could easily spot a lot of this stuff. 
but it's because they have the belief they're not thinking about it properly. They're not even thinking about it at all. They, no. you know, someone comes in with this big dense platform and tries to sell it to them. If they could remove the belief that they don't know digital, they could look at the dense platform and think to themselves, what happens when someone goes on a website? Well, they yeah. want information. They want clean clarity information. Same with the sale. It's the same exact process. Why would they get any value from a salesperson who comes up to them and starts talking about like a mile a minute, all the different options, all the different interest rates, service. At the same time, they're talking new and new, pushing them <laughs> stuff in their face. Oh, sign this credit app here. Now we'll get you approved. Like that's not how sales work. It's very clean kind of process. So why would your website function any differently? And it's the same thing with the CRMs. I think CRMs might, I mean, not that it's worse because one side is the customer facing side. Mm -hmm. The other side is your, you know, your, your finance managers, your salespeople managing those customers. But the, the CRMs in the space are so dense when they don't need to be. And so salespeople don't want to use them and they don't know oh, how no, 100%. to use percent. And, and, that, and that's why yeah. I'm saying you, you kind of need, you, you, you don't just have one tool that fits all, right? You need the right tool for the right thing. So I'm a yeah. firm believer in proper lead management. You know, lead management, is all just about nourishing and developing and managing the communication efforts to the point when they come to the door. And once they sign the dotted line, then we can hand it over to the CRM. That's a better, that's a yeah. better process. Yeah. And, now, and I'm, I, not, I, not, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure how we got on this topic, but it's a, it's a, <laughs> that's how most of these podcasts work. I will just go that direction, right? <laughs> Another thing, uh, the actual, I think this is an important thing to, to talk a little bit about is the actual follow-up associated with, I mean, my focus is on leads, but even if it's not leads, if they're messaging or they fill out any kind of inquiry form, um, the salespeople need to know what process that person went through before they reach the dealership. And so oftentimes we don't know as salespeople because no one's explained it to us. And so there's times in the automotive industry, like you said, you get a lead uh, and they're, or just, they're just an inquiry lead. They just want to talk to someone. And then the salesperson picks up and says, oh, are you looking to get approved on a vehicle? We've got, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then for <laughs> two weeks, they follow up with the same message without anybody ever saying they were just interested in this truck, you know, no. like talk to them about the truck, right? Like, so that's the problem uh, with the sales process. And then, and then the other thing is that the salespeople get these scripts from their sales team and the scripts don't relate to where the, the lead came in or where the customer came in. So now they're following up with this message that doesn't resonate with the actual client and where they're at in the sales process. So no wonder they would never, ever touch base with you again, right? Well, I think what it is, it all comes down to perceived value. And, it, yeah. it, and that's for everyone, right? You know, uh, for your sales team and you want them to buy in to really embrace your lead communication risk, you know, process, you got to show the perceived value in it, right? For the customer to call you back or to respond to your email, well, there has to be some perceived value in them taking the time to do so. It's yeah. like you just asking them to give you a call or you just asking them to you know, reply to your email. That's an asinine that's crazy i mean yeah. there's no like, right now i'm actually in the middle of the process of buying a vehicle all right it's yeah. not it's not any vehicle it's a very specific vehicle there's yeah. only like three dealerships in the entire country that actually sell the damn things right so i, I don't have a lot of options unfortunately yeah. right and I, I drove three and a half hours to go take a look at this vehicle right and 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 <laughs> Needless to say, we couldn't make a deal happen, but you know, I got a follow-up phone call from the manager the other day and literally the message was, Hey, when you get a chance, call me back. Why? Why? Yeah. What the fuck do I call you back for? Like, what was, what was the, I mean, I'm 
You ask, you ask my guys. I mean, literally today <laughs> I will talk for 13 hours straight. I will between yeah. podcast meetings and, you know, starting off at eight 30 this morning, I will literally talk for 13 hours straight today. All right. For me to take 15 minutes and give you a call or 10 minutes and give you a call, there better be some value right there for me yeah. st stopping my day stopping what i'm doing all right and respond back to you or call back yeah. to you you know it's like it just i think for everyone and that but that goes the same thing even with our marketing efforts right it's like we put an ad out there and we have an ask but what's the perceived value in it it's like yeah we're just constantly asking the customers asking us for something we're asking the customer for something and no one in between is providing any perceived value yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm big on, because I've done the sale myself without being trained. So when I went into the dealerships, uh, I, I always started with my own leads. So I, I don't have any bad traits associated with my, with my sales process. And it was very clean and very authentic and, and leads didn't leave, right? Like I didn't, I didn't really lose leads once they started talking to me. Uh, and it's because I met them where they were. It's because I, it's, it's part of it was because I really knew what campaigns were running, but mm -hmm. it's not hard for a salesperson to know. Uh, and I get all this salespeople to check which campaigns are running. And every time a lead comes in, it tells them, you know, where they came through. And I think that's important for the website too. A lot of the web providers don't tell you when the lead comes in, where they came through, even, even chat options. It doesn't tell you, you know, what page they were viewing when they started the chat, that kind of thing is important because that's really the start of the sale. And if you don't know what happened, then how can you continue the sale? It's like plopping huh. me into the middle of a sales conversation where you're, you know, I don't know what, what car you're being sold on. Yeah, but you not know, only that, but they ask for like the stupidest information in the world. Like, I can't yeah. believe that it's 2019 and we're still asking for email addresses. Like, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> like, yeah. I, got, I have five, maybe six different email addresses. Yeah. All right. And like, who the hell checks their email? Open rates on yeah. emails are like 20 really some percent yeah. or lower. I mean, yeah. so yeah, let me ask you for uh, the communication line that you barely ever check and you have the opportunity to actually turn off at any given moment. You have yeah. six different channels because you probably have at least four or five or six different email addresses. And if I haven't given you enough value to, for me to give you the number one email address, good luck if you're going to check the other email yeah. addresses. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's crazy to think 2019 and website and website providers out there and their form, their form fills are still asking for that. They're not asking how they want to communicate. You would be amazed. Yeah. Uh, you would be amazed how many owners, dealer principals and general managers communicate to me via Instagram, DM, Facebook, Messenger, yeah. and LinkedIn DM. Like yeah. that is because they know that's the totem pole of my communication efforts that if they want to get a hold of me, they want to get a hold of me quick. Don't call me. <laughs> it's going to happen. All right. Yeah. Don't send me an email because I triage the shit out of my emails. I mean, I get you know, roughly right around 200 emails a day. I got to be very careful about what ones I'm actually taking the time to respond to. But if yeah. you need a, if you need a quick immediate response, you need my help, my attention. You LinkedIn, you LinkedIn message me because yeah. I will literally no, respond a, to it within minutes. You no, know? That's a really good point. And you know what? I never thought about that because Oftentimes in my, in my autom automotive journey, I always come to these little light bulb moments of like, that's what they do in the industry. That doesn't work sort of thing. So I mean, that gave me a light bulb moment because I've been in so many dealers where they do like three for three. And then they're like, you know, do, do the phone call, do the email, do like the text and make sure that you do that every day. Yeah. And, and it doesn't work. Like I, no, I never did it that way. It's every form of communication that we actually don't respond to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, but the idea is like, why would you hit them on every form of communication when they already got your text? They already got your phone. They, they got your voicemail. 
you know, they have their phone. If they're not answering this, they're not going to answer your email. They're not because answer- there's no value. There's no yeah. value. It's like literally, I've seen the text messages that go out. Hey, Mr. Smith, how yeah. are you doing? When would you like to come see the vehicle? That's a great choice. <laughs> what the? Yeah. We're like, yeah. but then they go, well, the lead never responded back to me. Again, you know what it is? And I think this is actually a great place for us to kind of wrap up here is because everything right now is being circled around perceived value, right? Like earlier on, we, we were talking about, you know, we we're talking directly to owners saying, you know, how do you, you know, how do you choose a vendor? How do you choose the right vendor? You know what it comes down to? It all comes down to perceived value. Yeah. Do you perceive that the vendor or agency you're working working with is bringing you that value? And for us, we agreed. It's all about you know becoming a partner, understanding their goals and objectives, right, and developing out from there. It's no different than in our ads. We talked a lot about creative. We talked a lot about ad strategy here. But again, at the end of the day, people are only going to engage with any of your ads if there's actually some value for them to yeah. actually engage with it all the way now yeah. now we're back down to leads you know for the customer respond to the lead or even the salesperson bitching about the customer not responding to the lead it all comes down to just perception of value where's the value to the customer to respond to the leads where's the value for the salesperson to continue to follow up with these leads it's it's just yeah if we can start changing these perceptions right then we can start developing out better goals and objectives yeah or better processes as well yeah. 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 So. And, and, and so, uh, I mean, just wanted to make this, yep, note, no. what do you want to add um, to that? I think that part of the reason that sales and, and the process is done poorly is because salespeople haven't convinced themselves of the value of what they're doing or found mm-hmm. the value associated with it. And a lot of salespeople are like, I'm selling vehicles. It's not valuable. I'm ripping people off. They believe that, and, you know, m- maybe at some dealerships, that's what you're doing, but not every dealership functions that way. And not every purchase of a vehicle is negative. And a lot of people walk away with their vehicle, extremely happy. You know, you build your credit if you get into the right car loan. So I've seen a lot of people in starting their sales position with a negative belief of what they're doing and it doesn't help. And it causes them to never open and be authentic through the sale. Sure. And so, and so they don't even think about value because they just have a belief that it's not there. And then that's what I'm saying. Like either we have to, as salespeople create, we have to actually define what that value is for us yeah. as individuals, or it's up to management and up to ownership to generate. And that would, we were talking about before about turnover and revolving doors kind of thing is that you're just not providing your staff, maybe enough perceived value for them to continue to do this effort, to exactly. continue to work this hard. Hey Ryan, exactly. thank you, man, so much for jamming with me tonight. I had a lot, a lot of fun uh, yeah, with this for, for, for everybody out there that would learn that would, that would like to learn more about, what you do and how they can connect with you. What's the best way to do so? So you can go to our website, which is ordermotiveagency.com. So that's O-R-D-E-R-M-O-T-I-V-E agency.com. Bringing order to the automotive industry. You can see the packages we offer there and you can see, you know, what kind of results we've got. There's testimonials on that site. So you can see, you know, some stellar testimonials we'll have from past clients. So that's how you get a hold of me. Awesome. Awesome, man. Hey, hey, thanks again for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a blast. Thanks, Thanks. man. We'll talk soon. Take care. Yep. You too. We covered a bunch of great topics today. What stood out most to you? Be sure to let us know in the comments section below. And don't forget to like the post and share it to keep the conversation going. You can follow Jason on all social media platforms by following Strategy with Jason. You can find him pretty well everywhere you can share content. I hope we were able to get you thinking. 
And until the next time, this has been Nathan with Digital Dealership Solutions. Have a great day.